No starters, no problem. It's That's So MLS. It's <laughs> a North American soccer podcast with myself, Nick Thornton. With me, as always, is Andrew Bates. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing great. We're, is, is, this, is this season happening or what? <laughs> well, we had a bit of confusion about it this week uh, and sort of <laughs> forgot that it was imminent because there's been so much... Champions League and distracting things like a very shorthanded Toronto FC just destroying their opponent in Champions League play. That so. was great. Well, well, okay, so that was tight though. That was tight though. The, the Toronto FC indeed did beat um, Leon yesterday two one, and they they it had been one one in the first leg, but it was very. I feel I feel like that was something that was almost serious. There was was almost like light when they when they went up two nothing, and yeah. then all of a sudden got very serious at the end because they they had Patrick Mullins score they had uh, Justin Morrow score somehow, um, like <laughs> like I don't know exactly how the ball hit his feet, and then it went in, but it did that happened. It's, uh, it was just a very strange run of play, but yeah, we'll 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 get to it. <laughs> Right, and then then you have the you have the you have Leon score, then go. Oh no! If these guys score more time, they have an away goal. We better get serious, guys. This is yeah. Important. I was I was watching the extended highlights, and I hadn't seen the result, so it was a definite moment of like, are they gonna? Oh, and there's the Concacaf moment. Okay, well, this is going downhill. <laughs> but indeed, indeed, it's it's been like like I am very excited for this. We're like 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 I'm. I'm starting to try and get myself psyched up, and, and, and I'm like, okay, we're back. You I think know. the very fact that either of us care about Champions League this year is a good sign. Yeah, and then this has been, this has been in a sense, as it usually is in a normal year when it would be earlier in the schedule, um, this has been my, like, you know, my introduction back into competitive football with some wacky stuff, as always, in CONCACAF. I feel like the... The fact that the last three competitions that I watched in North American soccer, in North American men's soccer, were CONCACAF League, uh, the CONCACAF Men's Olympic Qualifier, and the CONCACAF Champions League, just really primed me for shenanigans. (laughs) Yeah. And there were many shenanigans. Yes. Yes. Uh, Do we want to do that a little bit and then then talk talk a little bit about where we... How we feel about teams? Yeah, I think, um, like, as we were sort of talking before the show, um, for a little behind the scenes of when we're trying to figure out what the hell to talk about five minutes before recording, is that our focus really hasn't kind of been all over the place because there is so much soccer happening and, you know, just a minor global crisis as well. Um, But I think, yeah, CONCACAF Champions League is a good conduit through which to, to jump into MLS. So let's start there. It gives us some of our 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 first you know glances at, at how teams are looking. Um, you know, Toronto, as we said, had that uh, the one one draw to start. Um, the this is one. Leon's a great team, and I think that Toronto did great in holding them off across the two legs. Um, with uh, with a with kind of a, with the, it was like a team performance because it was a, an own. Go- it ended up being an own goal. Uh, they gave them the equalizer down in Mexico. Uh, a thing that I that amused me, um, it was a it was a shot forward from Gallardo that that that, that created the own goal situation. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that amused me is that Marky Delgado, Delgado has dropped the Y. It's now just Mark Delgado, which I will have some problems remembering, but do my best with. So he's Marky Mark? No, he... No, no just, well, Mark. Just, just Mark. Just Mark. Just yeah, Mark. Right. Hey, I mean, it's a, that's all right. I feel like that's one of those, like... You go with your nickname, and then you reach a certain age threshold, and you're like, I don't know that this really fits anymore. That's the, fine. The 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 Atlanta game, you know, a lot of people, of course, Atlanta had such a challenging year last year. Um, but a lot of people are curious how things are going to, you know, pan out for them. And and all of that was put to the side in their first game against Alajuense, um, where... Uh, Brad Guzon was called for a red. I think people, I think you could basically say that, that it probably was a foul, but the referee had a yellow and then was like swarmed by refer, swarmed by players from the opposing team, like this, like the, like a tidal wave and then changed to a red. Yeah. So they send off Brad Guzon and then you have to bring in, uh, Rocco Rios Novo, who's 18, who's never played for the senior team before, who somehow drops two clean sheets. Yeah. Well, and this is just one of those, like, you know, I think we're going to see continue to see more strange kind of silver linings like this, where, I mean, we saw it with the Whitecaps, you, the, a terrible injury or suspension and something, you know, all of a sudden throws a wrench in the works and you lose your, your starting goalkeeper, another starting player. But it gives an opportunity that you may not otherwise get a chance to look at. I mean, how many games do we honestly think the kid was going to play this season? Uh, especially with Guzan in that. <laughs> so it's a great, uh, I mean, just... I think he was fourth. Stand- I, think he, I think he's the fourth goalkeeper. I think he was the fourth de- strength. Yeah. I mean, it just incredible performances from him. And I, I don't think he's the fourth string anymore. <laughs> uh, the But I think that the feel-good... Like, you know, there was a lot of bonkers things that, you know, Atlanta got their goal in that game on a handball. Um, and then people, you know, people were swearing up and down uh, in some circles that that actually went off the face and not the arm. So it's Atlanta in some senses, you know, taking advantage of or not taking or, or being gifted with some CONCACAF stuff. The feel-good moment, though. Joseph Martinez making his return the pitch as a substitute uh like he didn't even really like do anything he was just fine and i was like oh my god yeah <laughs> mls is saved he's back well, it was after the the first match um that that i just i was like i just continued to um uh, it's just i feel like we've all we've seen atlanta now at their worst but it was also in contrast to ju- this just incredible, seemingly undefeatable side. Uh, I don't think anyone's really quite prepared for just how good Atlanta United can be this season. And and, and now that we've got to look at the depth as well and with Martinez back, I think, of course, the exception to people not being ready for Atlanta being good again is Joseph Martinez seems very ready. That's the, that's the thing. You could kind of look at these – you could look at these two games – um, in in opposite ways, you can say that they absolutely uh, held on against this team um, in in a in a ten man situation when they were in Costa Rica, and then when they were playing at home. Um, you know this this game rode on the knife's edge in a way that's just 
often not uh, not ideal to do. Um, but they were able to withstand the pressure and then also uh, get their goal on the break on the on the 91st minute. Um, yeah, left it a little late for most fans' liking. <laughs> That's the other side of it. It's one thing to say this is a team that buckled down, but it's also a team that couldn't they, they waited until the 121st minute of football against a Costa Rican side to get their first goal. Yes, that's very true. But, I, I mean, I also think that... First given, goal from open play, I guess. Yeah, given everything that ha- can happen and does happen in CONCACAF, still a good result. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, it's usually the opposite way where you play really well and you keep your opponent uh, off the score sheet and then deep into stoppage time in the second leg, they'll score four goals and just destroy all hopes. So definitely nervy and not, uh, you know, by no means a blowout, but still a strong showing. And this is the thing that I think coaches have been focusing on, but I feel like is is sometimes missing from the narrative, is like even even the somewhat smaller opponents and the opponents where you don't think it, it it's going to be too, too much trouble. Taking those games as seriously as possible and playing at your highest level because you're then going to face much stronger opponents. And so keeping a clean sheet and and handling these games in the way they did, I'm sure they would love to have more goals and, and win it more decisively. But, you know, getting your shape right, knowing um, which plays you want to work on, dealing with some of those shenanigans, showing your resilience, like you want to get those things out of the way and and established in these early games in the round of 16 so that when you do go through, you're a little bit more prepared and you've got the experience behind you of already your back against the wall. That makes a lot of sense. It's a, it's a, it's a bonding experience. Uh, Absolutely. The Philadelphia went in uh, against Saprissa and they had uh, they had Vancouver Whitecaps uh, fans will recognize, of course, Christian Bolanos and Kendall Waston. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was certainly, you know, it's like a it's like it's like warm, uh, it's like comfort food, warm soup to uh, to see Casper Shabilko score a goal as Kendall Waston prostrates to his teammates that nobody was covering him when he was <laughs> the closest defender to him. Just, Just like old know. times, we love you, Kendall, but. Just like old times, just like uh, old times, uh, and that was a, that was one with another in the first half in the first game, uh, another wild scenario where the Saprisa character, the Saprisa player, uh, cut down um, Kai Wagner. Oh and, yeah, and then there was this big you know fracas that took place. Fracas, the Andre Blake being the the uh, being the nice boy that he is trying to break up as people are getting each other's faces, it somehow um, we've got two yellows each, but no yellow for the guy who started it. Or, and, and also fire things back up. CONCACAF. It's CONCACAF time. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a it's, I, I get it, but it was one of those things where it's like, just keep your heads. Like it's a bad tackle for sure. And also, the right decision was already made. So you don't need to go even more bananas and risk more cards. And, and like, for me, it's a clear moment of game and gamesmanship trying to get under Philadelphia's skin that clearly worked. Um, 
And I have no problem with players, you know, get in there, put some foreheads together, say some stern words, but you don't need both sides getting involved, like the whole team's getting involved. And I, I felt like it was a little bit overdramatic. Yes, it is a bad challenge and it was dealt with. So like, I, I you know, why are you, why are you screaming at players who had no part in the tackle? <laughs> anyway, it, it, and regardless, uh, Union lit him up for four at home. Yeah. Five to one aggregate. How are you feeling about the Union after this, uh, this, this year that they had where they they got so close, they got that supporter's shield, but they couldn't make it all the way to Emelon's Cup. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, you know, I think, as ever, the Union have a really strong system. And, the like, I feel like Philadelphia will continue to be a pretty consistent team. Um, despite what parts of the team they may use... Um, They've got depth in their squad. They've got some exciting young talent. Uh, of course, the the big question for everyone is, what do you do without Aronson? And this was a, a great answer to that, that to, to be able to score four goals against another good side um, makes me feel pretty good about them. I still, you know, looking at the other teams in the East and the way they've built their rosters, I feel like Philadelphia, you know, second or third maybe in the east um I, I think they're fantastic and will continue to be fantastic i just think there's a few teams that have done a bit better of a job but certainly i i don't think they're going to drop much in their performance uh from last year and um i think that's going to keep the east really tight and interesting this year what about uh, you i was uh, i was interested in it i think that they they had a good showing Away, as you as as you mentioned with the Atlanta uh, away in Concacaf is always a challenge, and they uh, and they delivered on the way back. The I think that you know you bring up Aronson not being there, and I I think that they by at least in terms of these two games, you know the the response that you have to make to a season like last year is is to to bond together as a unit, and I really mm-hmm. feel like. You know that's something that you can see out of those two games, <laughs> especially you know the, in a sense you know looking really positive in that second one, at home. So, so and importantly, I, like you said, like playing like a team, not yes. just some good individual performances. And yeah, from from back to front, I I really like the look of the union again. That's not one where that's not one where we say who's going to replace our departed star. That's one where we say. How is Jim Curtin going to make, you know, going to try and whip this team back and not have them be sort of dejected? I mean, Toronto FC's, uh, you know, big record-breaking season, which was one of the best, you know, seasons in all of MLS, I feel like was based on spite. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, whatever fuels you, yeah. (laughs) Use it to your advantage. If you don't want to be there again, then do the work and... I, I love that, too. Um, that seems to be Curtin's approach of, you, you know, being very proud of Aronson, but also just you got to have a short-term memory and, and just move on from it and look to get the same... I mean, I really feel like the thing that Aronson brought was just the ability to make it a big difference in a game and, and have the creative vision that so many teams in MLS sometimes lack. 
Um, but I don't think it's all that hard to, to have another player hit that same level. Um, and I think that they've got a, a strong enough squad that m- maybe they won't have one player who will directly provide that. But I think they've got a few, as we've seen, that can still create really good chances and get things done for them. Um, Portland uh, had a, it started their series against uh, Marathon with with a really hard-fought first leg that, that where they scored and had Marathon equalize right away with with both the, with a bunch of really good goals. Um, Morris half volley for Portland was great. Valeri's goal was really good. Valeri's goal was stupid, and I don't know. <laughs> what business he has at his age working like that, but just it it was like somebody slowed down time and then just delivered that ball into the net. That's the uh. thing. You know, in some senses, this is as preseason as any of the rest of preseason, but I was just looking back on, oh man, just, just give me good goals. I'm just <laughs> excited that somebody is giving me good goals here. Yeah, exactly. Just the the sheer entertainment of it is is sort of a thing that you're like, oh man, I didn't know I needed that until I saw it happen. <laughs> and Marlon Ramirez, the the equalizer for Marathon, uh, was also really good. Great left left footed strike. Um, but then, like the Union, they went back to Portland and lit him up for nothing. Yep. Um, as as. As definitive as you want to see for a team that also I think is is a team that wants to think of itself as is one that can contend at any time. Absolutely, and uh, you know uh, Yumi Chara had a hat trick in that second game. Valeri had another game or another another goal. So like full steam ahead for Portland. The only thing I didn't like about this game is the fact that Vancouver Whitecaps have our opening game against Portland and they got, they've yeah. got to be feeling pretty oh, good about no. themselves and also coming out of playing already competitive matches whereas the Whitecaps have had a couple of preseason scrimmages essentially. I don't believe well, they've played one full 90 minute game. Two? Two maybe. They played one. They played... Oh, well, I don't want to say... We played Chicago Fire, and I think that was a nine. No, that was a double header. So it was sixty was a, minutes. It was. It was one. I think that was one ninety-minute game and one sixty-minute game. Although I could be wrong. Yeah. And then they played At a. Any rate, <laughs> I think they played a ninety-minute game against. I think the the, um, the Real Monarchs game. Oh yeah, right. Was was yeah. a ninety-minute game as well. Yeah. So the so the Caps have got you know a uh, hundred and eighty minutes. And also, um, none of those games had all our starting players. So true. Uh, um, Cavallini <laughs> looks great. Cavallini looks. I, I may have been able to see them, despite the fact that I'm not a resident of British Columbia. Ooh. I hate that. I, of course, I hate the element in, in preseason that they geo block all the preseason games. This is why I'm sorry I haven't watched the preseason games from other teams. But also, I can't. It's it's really truly bizarre, and I, I don't get why. I, I mean, it felt like for a while there we would just have kind of crappy YouTube streams, but at least they were available to everyone. But uh, yeah, it's like, are you really that worried that I'm going to be pirating New England against a USL side? Like, I just, just want to <laughs> see some fucking soccer. <sighs> um, but uh, but uh, you know, 
the, the, if we could talk briefly about Vancouver, we don't have to go into depth. But well, but can we can we go back to Champions League for just a second? Because yes, a yes, thing yes. just happened. Please, please. I know please, our show please. is not live, but at least enjoy this moment. Uh, guess who just scored for Columbus? I mean, they were five nil on aggregate anyway. But Zardes. Bradley Wright Phillips, 86th minute. Hey! Oh, man, it's great. I'm I'm glad that he's uh, he's he's slotted in with a new team, and I hope that that's going to go real well. Oh, it's... <laughs> Columbus has so much depth. It's really ridiculous. Um, I was I was getting real excited about Minnesota, and I was like, and plus with Kevin Molino, like, they're just going to be... And then I was like, wait, oh, Kevin Molino's at Columbus now. Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! Just Columbus is. Let's just go. If you haven't yet, just go Google their lineup and just read down that list and tell me that's not, you know, (laughs) your your team to beat this season. Even if they hadn't won MLS Cup last year, it's a pretty intimidating side, and they've had no trouble in Concacaf so far. That's another team that was in, in 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 Champions League without some of their starters. And, of course, like, I love following the crew fans on Twitter when they said, uh, well, positives are we won this first leg for nothing. Negatives are we had three players leave with injury. Oops, 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 oops. Yeah. Knox, I think. But even that game, even that first game, it's, you know, Nagby didn't start. Nagby didn't start and he came on and he left. But but the aspect of them having the, the, the starters that I want to mention is just that, like, or, like, like having played with, with um, without some of those starters, is that they had tremendous depth in both mm-hmm. these games, despite you know having a little bit of early issues with uh, with knocks and things. Absolutely, and it seems to be the case again today. And yeah, I'm just looking at um, the lineup here, and yeah, missing a, a good chunk of starters, especially um, in the attacking areas. So that's why you have a play player like BWP. To come off the bench or, or start your game and score and win. That is a wild, that is a wild lineup, especially for a team that's, you know, especially for the dominant team coming in after a winning to be like, oh yeah, we just have everyone. We just have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be. We have BWP, Kevin Molino, and a, and another youth DP. Sure, sure, whatever. Why not? Yeah, it it's kind of funny to me that when I'm seeing people building their their prediction lists for the season, that not everybody has Columbus rated as highly. Like, <laughs> it seems that if people separate East and West, then Columbus usually makes the top spot in the East. But I, for my money, I think they're stronger than LAFC. But that's just me. And Harrison as well. Um, was that, I think that's it for the, the MLS people that were in Champions League. Um, Arca High, who had beaten Forge in CONCACAF League to get this spot, um, had a wild nil-nil draw against Chris Azul and then got lit up 8 nothing. Well, oops. Uh, America, Club America got beat at home by Olympia, but also won on away goals in the tie. That's the, I think that's the, uh, those are the, those are the out of, those are the, the, the major things that happened outside of MLS in, in Champions League. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Vancouver, I think we talked about this a little bit last week. I still kind of think that, that you, you hope 
that this is a team where everybody that was there last year is you hope you can you can bank on some people um, improving. You hope you can bank on Debear um, setting up well and in maybe Cavallini having a happier year. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, he's coming in positively. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can hope that that you know mental attitude continues through the year. Um, this feels like. It still, it still feels incomplete. I mean, I don't want to be, you know, the dreaded number 10 question with the Whitecaps fans, I think is something that the Whitecaps themselves in this offseason has hyped up as much as anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like one, the people in WandaVision saying there's going to be a big cameo. And then when there was no big cameo in the finale being like, mm, fan expectations, they just worked themselves up. Yeah. Yeah, it'll... It'll be interesting to see what they do. I'm I'm less concerned about that spot right now than I am just about the stunning number of competitions that are going to be happening this year and the number of players we'll be missing. Um, I think that the younger side looks good, and we've got a lot of young players that are going to get opportunities, but to expect that they're going to be able to compete consistently feels still very ambitious i'm just and... gonna get i'm just gonna take this time now to cross my fingers and hope that kyle alexandra drops out of the 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 brazil teams no that's not true i want him to see lots of success i can't even i can't even finish saying i hope he he he's overlooked because he got relegated because i want him i want him to be successful and happy in yeah. vancouver of course but you know they're doing that thing i think they're doing that thing twice this year so you know, mm-hmm. if you miss out on one, you can do the other one. Well, and, and as much as you and I personally were not too uh, sorry to see Freddie Montero go, it also kind of leaves this question mark where, uh, you know, <sighs> we have a lot of forward players, but a lot of them are kind of more wingers than an out-and-out striker. And so, like, I mean, I'm okay if, if Ricketts is getting... Uh, more starts as a result um, and getting a little bit more game time. But, you know, when you think about Kava being away with Team Canada, you start to think, well, we s- <laughs> without him, that f- those f- that forward, those forward four don't look quite as, as threatening. Um, obviously, there's a lot of question marks over the new additions on the wings who could help significantly, but uh, I'm still... I agree. I feel like it's it's incomplete. I think Mark Dos Santos thinks it's incomplete. Uh, and I don't think just getting a number 10 fixes all of that. Um, I think uh, Eric Godoy has also picked up a, a knock and, and may miss the, the start, the, the first game of the season. And again, like defensively, right back and fullback positions, we've got some reinforcements there, and I think that's great. Uh, the center back thing still worries me a little bit that I, they're not bad, but when you compare to other teams in the West, I, I still think we have a not outstanding center back pairing, unfortunately. Uh, what was um, the one I, I, I wasn't able to see just the straight up um, transaction tracker, but I saw somebody sign a nice, like veteran 27 year old center back on Twitter in MLS oh. and just thought like, Man, why? Do, 
it's not impossible. It can be yeah. done. And I, as much as I, I really do appreciate the project of getting young players in and, and trying to grow them and develop them in the club and then turn around and sell them for a bunch of money, I just feel like center back, especially in MLS, is one of those... Like, you just need... like. You need an Eric Godoy. You need an older player with the experience and the calm and the organization to hold things down. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, these injury woes just seem to to not really make that as possible. I feel much more confident about Cornelius and Vasilinovic with Godoy next to either one of them. The two together, I start to get a little bit worried. Um, I don't find them vastly different center backs from each other. and And as we've seen a lot of our defensive trouble sort of comes from organization more than anything. It's not a lack of talent or, you know, not getting a tackle in. It's getting compressed for, for so long and then just getting pulled out of position rather easily. Uh-huh. And that's something that's not all that difficult, I think, to do with the younger center backs. That It's one of the most difficult positions in soccer. It's really hard to get those things right, and it kind of takes a career to to really nail it down so i mean i would be just as happy at this point of them hiring you know maybe not a dp center back but um they certainly could oh it was atlanta that hired the dp center back didn't they am i thinking of am i thinking here of but he was a younger guy i think a young not thinking of dylan nealis I can't remember mm. who it was that I saw it. I'll, I'll remember it eventually. If this isn't indicative of how prepared or not we are for MLS season, I don't know how else to explain it to you folks. Uh, the, um, the the thing, I totally agree that the that center back is not one of those positions where I would really, I know the Whitecaps have had luck. You know, they had luck with Boston being like, we're going to, we're going to give you more responsibility and see how that works. And then it works. And then it actually did work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that happens all the time, and the I I agree that another piece really could have helped there. I feel that the you're right that a, a tan alone will not fix it. I I don't know if this is a a positive note or a negative note. I feel like what a lot of people have said is that last year sort of the midfield was vacant in some cases. You know, like like the Whitecaps played. Up the up the sides and, and on the counter so much that like there was nobody like nobody was really occupying that space mm-hmm. and now it kind of feels like they've without another without another signing it feels like they've doubled down on this like they've said okay well we got Kyle to be at a number eight and he'll play through to the wings and now we've got Adnan and we've got a player that's like Adnan on the left side so we'll just Everything up the sides. <laughs> who needs who needs to play through the middle? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, and that's the 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 question mark for me too, because Alexandra is billed as a box to box midfielder. Um, I think a lot of people were thinking Bikel and Awosu would be taking up those two center defensive mid positions. Awosu's now out with an injury. I don't know how long that one is, but I guess. <sighs> Part of what maybe makes me nervous is that a lot of other MLS clubs, when I look at their rosters, it's pretty easy to just immediately pick out and be like, well, there's your starting 11 there. And with the Whitecaps, I mean, you could say that, like, you have an abundance of talent and, and a lot a lot of choices to make, but 
part of me is also like, but I don't where there's depth. I feel like it's it's certainly addressing an issue, but it, it's it's maybe like, um, and maybe this is what you were getting at, is like not as much of a priority as like a big, strong center defensive mid to hold down the fort and plug up the middle so that we ha- so that we can then get the ball out to the wings. Now, of course, we know that um, we are definitely all aboard the Baldissimo train and people are billing him as that player. But at his age, to think again, he's going to be able to do that for 30 games this season effectively, I think is a really tall order now. <laughs> I would love to see that happen as much as anyone else, and I think he's certainly got the talent to do it. But realistically, is that going to be the case? And I still feel like it's that we've talked a lot about, like you know, every team in MLS grows so much in the off season every year, and I feel like the Whitecaps have added some good depth, but I don't. And okay, improved on our winger situation, but I as a squad. I don't feel like we've we've significantly improved over where we were. Improved, yes. Um, but w- improving slightly will maybe be good for moving up a couple of spots in the table, um, and that could be enough for a playoff spot. If that's the goal, though, I still just think it's going to be really, really hard with the personnel that we have. I think the improvements that you talk about are, and, and, and this is also kind of something that you can apply to the signings, what makes it challenging to build up the kind of, you know, the excitement is that, um, you know, it's all kind of like, well, maybe it will work. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will work. Maybe maybe this thing about the, maybe we've got uh, the the players. It's it's not that we we've got players in some. You may in some of the situations think of them as as slight upgrades, but we have really beefed up the the wings. Yeah, there are a lot of of there's a lot of attacking firepower on the wings now more than last year. Maybe that will work, but mm-hmm. the maybe part is hard to is hard to rely on. Yeah, because you can sort of say, well, a maybe usually in soccer means it will work some of the time. So let's say it's good for nine wins this season. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. But if we continue to not get any draws, that's still not good enough for a playoff spot. So again, I like I feel like we we might be able to look back at the end of 2021 and say, wow, that was a much better season than last year and still be missing the playoffs. And I, I know that this isn't uh, something that the whole Whitecaps organization is looking at and looking to strengthen the squad. And, and it's incredibly hard to do right now. Um, I just felt like they've, there's been some really good players available within MLS that could have been brought in and some of them wouldn't be, wouldn't have been cheap, but could have, I feel like sometimes teams focus so much on exactly the right profile of player that we miss out on just really good players who would be who can do a good job no matter what team they're on. Um, I'm all for strengthening our scouting department and making the right signings. Absolutely. And the Whitecaps have had some real <laughs> mares of decisions when it comes to that. Um, there yeah, are also it, identified players. There are also identified players. Exactly. <laughs> that, that, are in, that are in the league week in, week out. Um, you watched... You watched the Whitecaps uh, season opening 
you know, hype stream today. How did you feel about that? Yeah, they did a, a fan kickoff thing. I thought it was it was well done. Um, God, we needed something to to try to get us excited about a team we probably won't get to actually see play this <laughs> season. Um, yeah, it was interesting. All, I mean, it's a normal season for me. <laughs> true, 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 true. Um, watching the Whitecaps from afar is a thing that lots of us have adjusted to. Um, a couple of things that stood out for me were um, they did a, a bit of a behind the scenes with um, Max Cropo, and it was interesting to hear him say his, his wife um, and him, they're expecting their first child. They've moved to Salt Lake for essentially this year, mm-hmm. um, which obvi- makes a, a ton of sense for the, the player and his family. But it sort of, for me, raised the question of like, are more white caps going to be doing that? And also just what a strange circumstance and just, it's just so bizarre to me. And it's not a judgment at all on the decision, but just a like, so you play for the Vancouver white caps, but you're going to be playing at home out of Rio Tinto stadium in Utah. And you're also going to live in Utah. <laughs> what, outside of the Jersey at this point, what's making us a Vancouver team? But again, that's, it's not a judgment. I don't think it should be done differently at all. It was just really drove it home for me, just the incredible amount of sacrifice that players and families are making so that they can make something work for themselves. Um, I just hadn't even really considered that that would be a possibility. Yeah, I guess you, I know I saw some other people that are exploring options. I guess if it's going to be their their where they train out of and, and whatnot, that's that's where you got to be. Hopefully, hopefully it's just four home games, and you know I know they're they're working under the hope that they can get back to BC Place or at least you know as minimal amount of games as possible. I know that it's interesting to see. It really it doesn't feel that the Whitecaps have had any particular recruitment problems because mm-hmm. it on you know elsewhere in sports it kind of feels like that hit the raptors a little right where now that's the number one thing people talk about is is you know you don't even is is the the um the commute issue um yeah but uh but you know i certainly hope that they you know they enjoy their 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 time away is okay the, the the critique that you mentioned about like what is even the point of a, a, a sport right now is is like a broader you know critique at the league and I, I and, and certainly not the players but I I certainly you know can understand that weirdness. Yeah. Um, we talked about Portland. We talked about Vancouver. Seattle is a team that has also signed a player off of relegated Botafogo from from Brazil. Hmm. Um. I, my pal that likes Botafogo, I'm going to give them, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to, to rack up the references, except <laughs> that every reference is that the team got relegated. True. Oops. True. Oops. Yeah, they signed Jean Paolo. Yeah. Which is a, a great pickup. I mean, it, Seattle continues to just be a team that as you look through their lineup that you're like. Now this is a different kind of difficulty in picking out a starting eleven because they've just got some incredible players and, and great depth. Um, 
you know, I I think Seattle will have a, a good season, but I I think that there's better teams in in the West. I mean, excuse me, and even trying to make any predictions this season, we were kind of talking before the show, like we generally do like a full preseason team by team breakdown. And it just feels a little bit pointless this season, (laughs) not to be down on it. I'm very excited for soccer to happen, but it's like, well, what are we predicting here? Because we can't, (laughs) if the last year taught us anything, we certainly can't predict the outside forces that will influence the season. Therefore, what, what's the value in me saying, well, LAFC is going to take it all if, you know, the team gets hit with COVID protocols or, you know, just anything that that could happen that could derail the season or derail a team. It feels very strange to be judging teams going into the season, despite the fact that that's what our job is here on the show. You know, um, it's it's just volatile. You know, it felt like the the going back to home market play. I feel that, that from what the figures that we heard from the union, it's like the the players' union. It's like um, you you don't catch it all at once, but like it must now be that like half the league has had it, um, and and we're not sure how many people got vaccinated or whatever, and we don't know you know what the third wave is going to be like. We don't know if somebody that got it last year is going to be um, fully, you know, we, we there could be surprises with that. Yeah, and it, it's I not think... that either of us have any crystal ball into that, except that the experience of the last year to say uh, truly anything can happen. I mean, we, we know where the clubs kind of stand right now, but we are also in a situation where you've got, you know, the, the eight or so teams we've already mentioned – who are coming in at a very different level and um, rhythm than some other clubs. But in this strange atmosphere, that may be canceled out by travel or any number of other things. So it just feels really hard to appropriately sort of characterize each team going into the season because I, I fully expect there to be a lot of up and down for a lot of clubs. In in the absence of a structured uh of a of a of a structured, I guess season preview. Can I maybe read some team names off, and we'll try to rattle off the one. Just how you feel? How are you feeling about these guys in terms of people that we we have not already talked about? Let's do it. Austin FC. Mm. Hmm. Oh no, that's my comment. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they seem. I... Th- Go ahead. They seem to have made some good pickups. You know, they got Alex Ring. They got Nick Lima. Uh, they like any team that is that that has had to build a bunch out of the um, the expansion draft. Uh, they're going to have to put some people together and get some some culture happening. It seems as though they also they've made some some pickups. They made some some import pickups, and they have a DVB spot open. So mm-hmm. I think that that's a team we're going to see evolve. I think that that there's nothing here to suggest that they're they are you know going to crash and burn off the off the output but you know expansion teams I, you always have to see it come together 
Yeah, I mean, and they remind me a little bit of FC Cincinnati in their inaugural year, where it's it's on paper it's a good side. The question is like, do all of these pieces equal a sum greater than its parts? Um, you know, they've got Matt Beasler, Alexander Ring, um, Diego Fagundes. I think is a great pickup for them. They've got Danny Hosen as well, another former um, Earthquakes player, um, along with Lima, as you already said. There was somebody else. Oh, Segura. You know, Ben Sweat. They've got they've got a good side and, and certainly a lot of familiar names around MLS. So I don't hate that as a, a way to start. They've got some some great signings and um, from outside of MLS and lots of great signings within MLS. But I I feel like you know mid table for them would be a, a very acceptable season. Um, I think you know, looking at this side, you think, yeah, they'll win some games for sure. I think they will also cough up plenty of goals and not quite looking like a a Nashville in their inaugural year. But I think they'll compete. And I, if they surprise people, I also won't be surprised. (laughs) So kind of a bit of a a shrug the shoulders and sort of just like, I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, Since you mentioned them, FC Cincinnati. Yeah, so they've had an okay offseason and certainly been restructuring and rebuilding and, and trying to build something different. I'd say more than okay. I I'm I think that they are, they could be a real surprise. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Um I know they brought they brought in Brenner from Brazil and that that's a huge signing for them. I do feel like they have really lashed out the dollars. As ever, the question is, have they spent it in the right places? And will that be something that has a short-term impact or a long-term impact? Um, yeah, I think they could have the ability to surprise people. I don't think they are going to be wooden spoon contenders again. But I also, again, looking comparatively at the other teams, um, that they'll be up again... Uh, I don't. I still don't rate them all that highly. I think they'll definitely win some games and <laughs> have some more fun, and there'll be a little bit more to talk about with them on the positive notes. But yeah, you know what? I, I guess it's also when I really think about it, they are a completely different side in many ways. Um, the question is, will will there still be that long shadow from just how bad things were? Or will they be able to just completely forget about it with a new personnel and move on? Colorado Rapids. As ever, I'm I'm on I'm on Colorado Rapids side. I think that they will continue to be a good club that is underrated. I think that they've improved definitely. Um, I think f- <laughs> similar to the Whitecaps, the question is. Can they lock it down a little bit more defensively? They vastly improved that last season, I thought. Um, but yeah, I, I would say like lower to mid-table still. I, I don't know that I would say this is the Rapids' year to do big things, but I still feel like they are they will continue to be a really entertaining side that can score a lot of goals. Um, I just want to see more organization out of Colorado and a system of play that isn't just like complete and utter chaos. They picked up Michael Berrios as an attacker. Yep. Great signing. 
Um, I think a good time for Berrios as well. I feel like he stalled a little bit at Dallas. Um, obviously had lots of success with them, but I also feel like he kind of hit his ceiling and, you know, we, d- we didn't see much more improvement. So probably time for a, a change of scenery and... Um, and Colorado doesn't play a t- completely different style of play either. So I think that c- he, he could have a great season with them. Chicago Fire. I feel like Chicago Fire is my team that I think people are, are sleeping on and um, could come in and do some real damage. Um, still missing some pieces. I definitely could still improve. I, I'll just fully admit a lot of their signings are just names I'm not super familiar with. So I don't feel like I've got a great understanding of what the impact of those players will be. Um, but overall, yeah, I feel like the fire will have a, have a, an okay time this season. DC United. Uh, well, I think it will be better than last season. <laughs> 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 Who was it they signed that I had totally forgotten about and then was surprised? I think it was Julian Gressel. That I was like, oh yeah, I still just don't think of him as a um, as a DC United player. Um, I read a good piece. I read a good piece about trying to warm Gressel up because they they've got this new coach that was coaching in Belgium, right? And apparently, yeah. uh, this is this is maybe going to be the the sum of my my feelings about them. Apparently, he's got they. What he said was, "Don't send me this season. Send me last season." Send me, send me your Atlanta tapes, yeah, and we'll talk. And and that's like their whole the basis is, how do we get you back up here? I don't know if it's just because I have a Washington Post subscription, um, but I've been seeing you know when they made this this uh, signing of Vernon Lusada, I was not entirely sold on on why this is the guy, um, but you know it seems like like one of the biggest things that Wayne Rooney provided when he was there is just you know, the, a little bit of leadership, you know, Mm -hmm. and this is, it seems like from what I've been reading that this is a guy who is excellent at sort of like, you know, providing that cohesive unit and, and that will potentially, uh, that cohesive atmosphere. And hopefully that will, um, really help them, uh, heading into the next year. No, no Mm -hmm. clue whether or not Polly is, Paul Areola gonna be fit during the season. That's also a question. Mm-hmm. Um, they they do have Assad back, so Houston Dynamo. Ugh. I'm just gonna fully hold my hands up and say I have not paid attention to what's gone on with them besides changing their logo. So, I w- do you have any insights towards the Dynamo? Uh, lots in, uh, lots in. Uh, you see. Tim Parker, Fafa Pico, Derek Jones, Maxi Arudi, Joe Corona. Um, so lots of um, turnover this year in Houston. Hopefully that'll all work. Those are all good names. Um, the number one thing we always talk about is cohesion. So um, it remains to be seen whether or not that, that those elements support what has been successful for Houston. It's true. You know, with Arudi and Tim Parker... I mean, it's there's so many squads. When you go down the run sheet and you look at it, you're like, yeah, that's a good side. But of course, it's always yes. Do they gel? Do they work together? So, hmm, question marks. Sporting Kansas City. 
think another another bit of a, a scratch of the head for me with them. I feel like they have retained a core, and that's going to be super helpful for them. Um, outside of that, I don't think I've heard a single thing about any of their preseason games. Um, so, I mean, I, oh, they played Portland, and I think that was a draw. And they had three goals apiece. Um, yeah, I think they'll continue to be good. Look, we know what Peter Vermees is about and what he's going to ask his squad to do. Um, I think if they can keep Busio on their side, that will be great for them. Um, I believe they extended Johnny Russell's contract, which is not terribly surprising there. Um, I think that they have some amazing talent on their side. Um, what we missed last season was that, again, just organization overall. Um, I think that they're going to be a really hard club to beat, and I think they will maintain a, a top four or five spot for much of the season. I don't know that I necessarily would rate them as climbing higher than Minnesota or LAFC. Uh, do you want to hit me with one? How are you feeling about Club de Foot, Montreal? Ah, uh, well, that's gonna be a, that's this is uh, gonna be a challenging one because it, it they it was so much of a project, and now the question will be that there has been this change for Wilfried Nancy. Um, do is this gonna feel like just you know year three of the project with the new you know uh, uh, somebody else at the helm? Or are they going to be a complete reset? Um, mm-hmm. It will be interesting to see if the if some of the signings, including George Mihalovic and, and Kamal Miller, work out. Um, they had Maxi Arudi leave, um, which was sort of not the number one player, but the the you know a player that helped fill out the set. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The question I think that last year, when you look back at it, you have to say that Montreal had some fantastic players who are, you know, reaching their, uh, reaching their peak, but not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at some of the players, Aconco is so good. Lapalainen is so good. It's, it's far from a Montreal where it has been, you know, all, um, let's all focus on one player. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, you know, who can they hold on to? And, um, and as those dynamics continue and mature, who, you know, who ends up taking control of games and who is the, the, the game changer? They have, they have people who do that. Um, the question is whether or not they can turn that into results. Yeah. Which I feel like is kind of what we say about Montreal every season. Like <laughs> they just can't seem to, I feel like Montreal can do like three out of five things that they need to do in any given season and that's keeping them where they are, where, you know, they, they lose a star DP player, so they fill out some other spots, but they don't replace the DP star player. So you're kind of like, it, it does sort of balance out in the end, where you're like, well, they're a little bit better defensively, but lost some of their goal scoring, so they kind of finish in the same spot. Um, Inter-Miami, how are you feeling about them? Oh, uh, you know, we've talked, <laughs> we've talked before... 
we have talked before whether it's whether it's 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 this investigation onto whether or not they um they appropriately made signings last year whether or not it's the fact that they whether or not it's their 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 copyright battle to keep their actual name whether or not it's hiring Phil Neville who has by the rosiest of measures done little of note with the England women's national team yeah i just it seems so this this feels like it will be a rollicking ride the the one thing that neville has that he did not have with the england women is the ability to add players and and there are so much, there is a lot of money being poured into uh this side still that's the one mm-hmm. thing it's like you look at the the way this club is being directed with the hiring of neville and the adding of Ryan Shawcross, and you think, wow, this sucks. But they do have money, and money counts for something. Yep, it it sure does. I mean, they might even have some more money because they're going to have to sell Pellegrini, if it seems to be the player that the, the, the one of their four DPs that they need to get rid of. Um, they do need to get rid of one to be roster compliant, I believe, by tomorrow. Ah, <laughs> so, uh, uh, the LA Galaxy problem. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. Does I don't think a loan counts, right? Like they've got to be off the roster. So uh, I feel like they're well. Everything I've read, which doesn't seem to have any real source as saying this, is that um, Inter is looking at getting selling him within MLS. Um, because that's probably the most likely way to get a deal done. I know... I think the only club I've seen actually attached, which just seems like wild speculation, is Sporting Kansas City. Um, He's a a great player, but a very expensive winger, and you just don't typically see MLS clubs spend that kind of cash on a winger. Um, I I don't... (laughs) I think there's a lot... Every MLS club would love to have him. It's, can every MLS club afford him, and do they also have a DP spot open? So when you look at the clubs that have DP spots open, who could pick him up, that that list narrows down considerably. Can you imagine if you were, you know, a young Argentinian star who played for the under under 20 national team, and you're going to go to Miami and play for David Beckham, and then you get traded to Kansas City, Missouri? In this world, I can. I can, in fact, imagine that scenario. Part of me was like, hey, Vancouver seems to have cash to burn. Why don't we end a DP slot? But, of course, he's a winger. So, I mean, a great pickup. All wings. Just a stupid amount of money for a player we don't really need. But Just wing-only football club. Vancouver Vancouver wingers football club. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. But I'll say this. Like, look, whoever buys him, if they keep him for even a year, is probably going to still turn a profit when they turn around to sell him again because of his age. So it's a stupid amount of money for the player, but also probably a pretty good return on investment. So I wonder if there is a club out there that's willing to to take that short-term financial hit um, to potentially sell a player for a lot more. Um. L.A. Galaxy, what do you think? Look, (laughs) 
I think there's a lot that that club still needs. I think they will be considerably, considerably improved over what we have seen. And I'm very excited. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are excited to hear us talk about something other than their horrendous defending. Um, and I trust Greg Vanny will will lock that down to some degree. Is this a, a serious contender team this season with their current roster? Probably not. But the thing that makes this season so interesting is that the, there's a number of clubs who've been terrible who have improved a lot, and that's going to make everything so much more competitive. So I think the Galaxy is going to have a fine season, and I think they're going to break a lot of hearts because they may not even make the playoffs themselves, but I think they will probably be one of those teams that is a difference maker and means somebody else doesn't get into the playoffs as that a result of drop, dropping points to them. That makes a lot of sense because if you look at the tables the last couple of years, a lot of teams rely on L.A. somehow finding themselves in that bottom two or three in the Western Conference. Yeah, exactly. And um, my, and the the last team I was going to ask you about was San Jose Earthquakes, who are often in the, that bottom three or four, <laughs> or two, or one. Yeah, if the whole wouldn't it be wild if San Jose Earthquakes got like ten more points and still finished last? I mean, <laughs> it would be wild. Are you asking me if you think it's if I think well, it's possible? <laughs> yes. Let me just let me just eyeball this 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 list here. The list, the, the players are good. The players they've they've brought in, Eric Rometty, nice. Yeah, um, that's a great pickup for them. Chofis Lopez from Chivas, looks good. Luciana Bacasas from River Plate, um, solid. And Christian Espinosa, um, if I recall, did great at the the Concacaf tournament. Um, and we're getting one more. Correct me if I'm wrong. One more year of Wando. Yes. Yes. Wondolowski uh, is continuing on for another season. Also just had a road named after him. My hope is that he gets to play one more. One game. At least a game. If 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 this weird season could give us one thing, it's Chris Wondolowski playing a game in front of fans, please. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, Yes. If I, I want nothing else out of this season than that. I don't care who wins everything, but I want... Chris Wondolowski in front of a crowd. That would be nice. I can't, I mean, it's not outside of the realm of possibility. He will extend <laughs> past this season as he just continues to go. But I feel like he's made it kind of clear that like, he's got another year in him. He's still got some gas in the tank, but probably not a lot more. But at 38, um, I think he's going to continue to be a really important player for them. I still don't feel like the earthquakes have really decided what, their 2.0 version is um and i think so much of it comes down to this man marking system that just got them into so much trouble um i still look at their side and go oh yeah they'll they'll win a few games for sure and cause problems but uh, drastically different different position in the table than last season maybe real salt lake owned by no one um, getting a getting a uh, Anderson Julio from San Luis in Mexico on loan, hoping to increase his. Um... Have the Whitecaps considered buying Real Salt Lake? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that's a. Well, no, that's that's a worrying. You know, don't don't give anybody ideas. <laughs> yes. um, the 
Orlando City has everybody's everybody's favorite player, Daryl DK, after his loan to, to Barnsley. Once once he comes back, <laughs> scored again. If he comes, if he comes back at this point, with how well everybody likes him, um, you know they got Alexander Pato. Yep. Um The I think that they're a team that's definitely um, that they showed off real well last year and and are hopefully um, bound for improvement. Mm-hmm. New York Red Bulls. Uh, they may be picking up Frankie Amaya from Cincinnati. Uh, I think that they hit a little bit of a rough patch, so hopefully the, the addition of a new coach is up for them. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like Red Bulls and New York City, the two New York teams, I'm just kind of like, uh, I just don't see it. I don't see what the vision is, and I don't see what the changes are that's going to make them better than the previous season. And I still think both teams are pretty good. So, <laughs> uh, New York City seems to have sold everybody and bought no one and said, mm-hmm. Yeah, although I did have a City fan point out to me he that sent me like a, a proposed starting lineup. And I was like, I mean, I know all those names and that's a pretty talented side. But uh, it's the cohesion piece, you know. It's, it's a lot of talent um, and a lot of young talent as well, which is great. And some really fantastic players, but uh, I think that there's significantly better teams in the East. Maybe they'll be good for a playoff spot. I think that's that's still well within their reach. They're gonna have to keep. It's gonna have to keep happening. The people say, "Hey, can we buy Valentin Castellanos?" And they say, "No." Yeah. Um, New England Revolution seem to be doing pretty good in uh, in preseason. They they traded out a few um, good players, and I feel like they've picked up a couple. I, I feel like there's there's sort of been like for like replacements. Um. So yeah, you know, mid table challenging for a final playoff spot. That's where I'm going to rate New England. Nashville. They don't have they made any big significant signings. One of the 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 primers that I'm looking at suggests that you know they made the 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 pickups of Yonder Cadiz and Hanwala Buana late in the season. So now is when. Now mm. is kind of when that is going to pay off, is the suggestion, right? That I'm reading in this uh, in this in this transfers roundup, um, which that makes that makes sense to me. CJ Sapon will pop up. Yeah, this is a club that you know is definitely one that that the style of play and their ability to um, their ability to hold fast. Under pressure and, and get some of the get some goals of their own is central is more central to their identity than than making a big signing or not. So it's I guess it's all about that um, the integration piece. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think defensively again they're going to be they've kept all those pieces, so I think they're going to be pretty pretty challenging um, as an opponent. They still kind of play that the lone striker. Um, formation and I don't hate that and obviously we like CJ Sapong here I, I still feel like the firepower is the thing that's missing like you know they'll be good 
they've got a great midfield as well. I think there'll be some great plays, but it's that that final finishing touch that they they got to that point. Um, but you know, if if we're talking about going up against the Columbuses, the Atlanta Uniteds, um, you know, the Orlandos, even I I think Nashville will be a a shoe in for a playoff spot. Where exactly? I'm not sure. Minnesota uh, United. Okay. I really hope that this comes to be true, but I think Minnesota United is like my my dark horse this season. Um, and I don't even think they're that much of a dark horse because of how good they were last season. But I think that they, they still just seem to fly under the radar a little bit. Um, losing Kevin Molino, I think, is a, is a big challenge. Um, it was interesting. I heard Adrian Heath commenting about it that he sort of said, well, we lost him. I'm like, you didn't lose him. You just didn't re-sign him. Like, you could have kept him. <laughs> you lost um, him in the way that you, lo- you lose, like, a set of car keys. Yeah, you're like, well, where did we put our Kevin Molino? Oh, Columbus picked it up. Caleb Porter's run away with him. Um, I think they're going to be really, really good this season uh, and continue to be good. I think that they are definitely going to be top of the table. Um, if not the top, then second or third. But I would not rate them lower than third. Um, with the depth that they have, their organization, I... Uh, the, the core group of players that they've kept, I see no reason why Minnesota can't continue to be really good and maybe even improve over last season, which I think by all accounts was a great season. Finally, LAFC. I mean, I feel like what else can you say about them other than like, just lo- look at them. <laughs> <laughs> They're a great side. They're going to be great. They're going to be excellent. Um, the best, everyone seems to think that. And I just, I don't see it. Um, I think they've made marginal improvements over last season. They are also going to be missing potentially a, a quite a number of key players. We know Carlos Velo can have injury difficulties. I see them being very, very good, scoring tons of goals, being near the top of the table and potentially still not winning. <laughs> Oh, you know, I said that was the the end of it, but I don't think I mentioned Dallas. Oh, right. We only kind of talked about Dallas in in passing, really. Um I think they're kind of like my my Houston answer, no? Like yeah. I don't know what what to tell you about Dallas other than they they continue to exist and they're a good squad, but um I don't I don't have a good sense of what additions they've made or or what their approach is going into the season. Uh, what, do you have some, anything on them? I think they've lost a little bit, you know, yeah. and, and it'll just be the, 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 the melange of, you know, how you fill those spots. Signing Jader O'Brien and Freddie Vargas. Yeah. You know, sure. <laughs> um, the, uh, I agree with LAFC, uh, a club that, that certainly this year in, in, in always in the playoffs, Seems to we, the last two years have ended with uh, with spiteful looks for Bob Bradley, and, and, and he'll want a little bit more of that. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see who uh, who joins, who who steps up in their uh, their 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 rotating collection of attackers. Mm-hmm. 
they made some they they made some uh, some defense signings. So hopefully a little bit uh, they will they will continue to be um, building on what has in some cases been their weakness. For sure, for sure. I think yeah. I I still think that I mean they're an incredible squad. But again, there's going to be players missing through international duty that I uh, just. They've got the depth, for sure. They've got the depth to not drop a lot, which is why I feel like they could be a a strong second or third finish in the West. First, to me, still seems a little ambitious, but, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but to maintain that momentum and consistency as an expansion side is not something we've seen yet. Maybe LAFC is that side. I knew, I know we said we weren't going to do this. But I'm going to just freelance this here and okay. now. Give me a can, – can we come – can we just name a final four for the playoffs? And you can get, you can get spicy and name one of the, the final four as, as, as your winner. But you don't have to. Mm. Man, do you have a final four picked? Well, not pick. Like, this is you know we're 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 flying off the, off the cuff. cuff with this. Well, here here, here. it's very clear. I'm high on Atlanta United, so I think they're going to be final four. Um, Columbus Crew, Seattle Sounders, I'm going to say Portland Timbers. I'm going to say. Are you, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm going to say New England Columbus. Okay. I'm going to say, um, I don't know why I'm saying K like I'm approving it. <laughs> Portland and LFC. And then, right. uh, it's going to be, I said, I said, I said Atlanta, New England, right? Yes. What did I even say two minutes ago? You said Columbus, Columbus. New England. Columbus and New England. Um, Columbus and New England. Uh, New England over Portland. Yeah. I think I think those are all reasonable. As no, ever, no like... Portland over New England. What am I talking about? I, I think that New England, the, the, surprise, the surprise I'm saying is that, is that, that New England goes to MLS Cup. Okay. Um, is there a team that you think is going to surprise people? I mean, call it a dark horse or just a team that you think people have underrated um, or just a team you think, hey, why not? They could maybe just upset things this season. Um, I think that the team has the greatest... I think a team that has a, a, a great shot of doing that and I think had... It was the same last year um, yeah. when we saw them... Uh, make their way to the MLS's back <laughs> final is Orlando. You know, yeah. I could have just as easily said Orlando in that position yep. um, because and they've been good in preseason too. You're you're absolutely right about the amount of teams that have improved. Right, you have Orlando, Philadelphia, Toronto, Columbus, and Atlanta, and for all of those, it's like there's no huge. There's no other than well, I guess with Toronto, you could say the the home field weirdness, but it's like. Those those five clubs, it's like, how am I going to say that Columbus is not a contender? It can't be done. Yeah, 
exactly. Atlanta, Atlanta, you could kind of say, okay, well, they're just not going to put it together, but but it, I didn't have them in my final two. But by the same notion, if you said to me, oh, Atlanta's going to beat um... – <laughs> Names of clubs. Wow. Speaking of pandemic moments, my brain just went completely blank. Um, having fun. We're, 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 we're jogging down. You, we're you can't say it it's out of the realm of possibility that Atlanta, in a situa- in a final-type situation or playoff situation with Columbus, wouldn't find a way to win that game. Yeah. yeah and agree. you'd be like, sure, that makes sense. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, I'm... It's true that this is continuing to be weird in terms of like predictions and thinking like, what is this season going to mean if anything? Mm-hmm. You know, we obviously there was such disruption last year. Uh, is this schedule going to see any of that? Is something that's totally in the future? I am going to try once again to enjoy soccer being back. <laughs> Believe it or not, folks, we actually do like soccer and we enjoy watching it and we're excited that the season's starting. And that's tomorrow. <laughs> you wouldn't man. know it from listening to the show. But it's, you know, people, se- people have talked about the, the length of the off season being longer than it is usually in, in, in players being, you know, chopping at the bit and maybe having too much time uh, mm-hmm. dropping out of form. So uh, I, for one, am ready to ready to come back. Yep. Take me back. Take me back. Uh, elsewhere, um, Canadian women's national team did a two uh, two match friendly series, uh, three nothing against Wales, two nothing against Canada. Uh, <laughs> Sinclair went out with an injury, yikes! Uh, but uh, it was out for the second game. Um, but they said it was just precautionary so that she's okay for the Olympics. Deanne Rose, Evelyn Beans, Jesse Fleming scored the first game. Beans and Prince on the second. Um, NWSL has had a bunch of moves. They came back. Um, mm-hmm. The sort of most foundational one is that uh, Sky Blue FC has changed its name to New York, New Jersey Gotham FC. I hate everything. What just happened? <laughs> yes. The New York, the Sky Blue FC. Which, let it be before we move on, is a stupid name, but continue. Sky Blue FC uh, which which was I think I want to say was inherited from uh, WPS the Bam. previous the previous league um, is or it was initially Jersey Sky Blue is has rebranded as New York New Jersey Gotham FC. Oh, that really rolls off the tongue. Okay. I'll well. just say Gotham FC. If you say Gotham FC, it's cool. I I understand. I, I It always just feels like trying to please everybody to try and cram New York, New Jersey into the name of your team. Yeah. 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 But, well. But the brand, the jerseys look cool. And the logos look cool. The branding was cool. Uh, okay. And we, of course, got Jen Hildreth, the, uh, the CBS... Play by play commentator when when Paige Monahan got the one nothing goal saying Paige Paige Monahan is perhaps the hero Gotham deserves. Nice, I'll a, take that. A line I'll that, allow it. A line that she was uh, um, clearly ready to deliver. Um, the 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 first set of games there last weekend um, had a lot going on. 
Trinity Rodman uh, subs on and scores instantly in Washington Spirits. Uh, gutsy 3-2 two, two, uh, two loss to North Carolina. Um, unfortunately, some of the... the there was two. There was two real um, controversial moments, and one of them was in um, Kansas City, who is now uh, that was the the Utah Royals got moved. Uh, that is the new uh, the new location and new old location um, against Portland. After Portland had already had a player and the coach sent off Oops. immediately prior, there was a tangle between Kansas City's Morgan Weaver and Portland's Alexandra Edmonds. Uh, where they tangle and fell over. To me, a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling, it kind of looks like Edmonds hit everything is evil, the, the STO finisher on the other player. But there are other people, and then popped up and got right back in Weaver's face. Uh, the Thorns went and posted on social media, uh, Morgan Weaver is innocent. Oh. Right away. Okay. Uh, both players got reds. Weaver's... Red stands, and they added an additional game and a fine. Or sorry, not sorry. Weaver's red was rescinded; it's gone. Edmonds's red stands, and they add an additional red. Megan Klinenberg, however, still gets fined for going <laughs> for for going in the interview and saying NWSL deserves world class refereeing. Uh, Klinenberg got fined. Merritt Paulson got fined as well because, of course, he did. Um. <laughs> Uh, and that was sort of like one of the big, you know, sets of fraca. And, and the un, the a really unfortunate incident took place um, in the uh, in the Houston Dash game, where it was a it was a nil nil draw between Houston. Oh, I should say also the Portland it was Portland two one Kansas City. Um, the Houston Chicago game was a nil nil draw, and at the conclusion of that game. Um, Sarah Gordon says that stadium, the Houston Dash uh, stadium security, Gordon plays for Chicago, um, allegedly raci- racially profiled everybody, threatening to arrest her boyfriend when they went to talk after the game. Um, and the, compl- the the complaint that she had is, there are white players, and Gordon is black, there are white players everywhere that are talking to their families. There's a yeah. whole set of, there's a whole set of players that are all milling around in, this is the situation where a security guard says, you know, I'll arrest you if you get closer. Um, initially... Would, is is that a, pr- the presumption there being that they're breaking social distancing or what? That's what... So Dash put out a statement saying... Because yeah, yes. that is horseshit. <laughs> That's the idea. That's the idea is that, that Dash put out a statement that said, we're really sorry to Sarah Gordon for any hurt that she might have, you know, that she might have felt... We were trying to enforce our COVID guidelines, and clearly there was a mistake. But the did not address the fact that white players were not have did not have that applied to them. But there yeah. were the, they did not in any way sort of like um, sort of substantially address what the problem was. And you mm-hmm. had people obviously. This That's was not like white people to just pretend like nothing happened. Uh, and it turns out, so you had a couple people make statements about this, including um, Elise LeHue, the general manager of New York, New Jersey, Gotham FC. Um, and uh, it, 
later we find that you know they put out this statement in the same statement where they handed out all of rescinded all those red cards or rescinded the reds and added suspensions and fine merit Paul or they didn't say who they didn't say, but they you know find players uh, for the the Portland thing. They also you know threw out there that they had find uh, they'd find players from. They'd find people in the Chicago and New York organizations. It was LeHue. Grant Wall says it was LeHue and Chicago owner Sarah Silver uh, got fined for speaking out about this in, in support of Sarah Gordon. Uh, Wall also said that players were not going to be fined, but they were finding people who are connected to the league because the league opened an investigation into this matter on the 10th, but didn't announce it publicly until the 13th. Mm-hmm. So they are finding those people that were connected to the league because they're like, oh, well, they're speaking while our investigation that we didn't tell anybody about is happening. Just. This time last year. It confounds. This time last year, NWSL was hosting a relatively safe bubble tournament and everybody had so much momentum. And then all of a sudden in this, this first week of the season, they just really want to put their name behind some racist bullshit. Yeah. Gross. It's certainly nothing to do with the players. And, and, and you know, the Dash players made an apology to Gordon. And and it's just, you can, you can say that. And I think that, you know, the Dash are, as an organization are trying to be really apologetic with it. But you can say that, that. You could say it's COVID protocols, and this is certainly a challenging situation for everything. But I think that one consistent thing that we've heard throughout the league, like throughout the um, any professional league, when it comes to social contact that happens in stadium versus out, or like social contact that happens in a game for the purpose of football versus outside. You know what I mean? Like. If you're mandated to be, you know, you hear people in NBA complaining about like, you're you're mandating me to be in training segments and you're finding people for meeting in hotel rooms, but you are also sending them to the All-Star game. Yeah. You know, well, like, and, and if you don't, like, don't put people in the stands then. Yeah. If and, you don't want the interaction. But this is, it also and, is like a, I mean, obviously a symptom of a much, much larger issue, but also uh, highlights that when people are like, well, there should be more enforcement of COVID protocols. You're like, yeah. And who's that going to target? This is a clear, so. and, and I think it's, it's, I mentioned, of course I mentioned that part, but the, the, the overall sort of inconsistency, this is the number one thing that the league has absolutely been caught flat-footed with, is addressing the fact that this is something that they want to not be a part of their brand, and they committed, like, like clear discrimination in the way that this was handled. Well, and, and that's the thing, is I think people like to talk about making changes and learning, etc., when you're in a moment of what feels like reflection or a bad incident has happened, but maybe not to your club, but then something happens within your organization and you finally have, you're like, well, this is the moment. This is the time to step up and do something. And then to just sort of balk at it. It's like, well, <laughs> so what was all it's, it's just performative is all it is, is people want to say the right thing, but they don't want to do the right thing. This doesn't reflect the values of our organization. Well, you did it. <laughs> it Wait, I love when people say that, like, as if it undoes the act. You know, like, it doesn't reflect the va- Well, we know. That's why we're upset about it. 
<laughs> oh man. Huh. Louisville got their first point. That's the other that's the other note that I have from NWSL. Is that racing racing Louisville had their opener and and immediately it's like they they pushed for the first twelve minutes to make sure they got a goal, fell apart a little bit, were down two one, and then came back to draw before the end of the game. That's an okay start. Giving your home fans a nice story to remember. That's all you need. It's all about the stories. Um, until until tomorrow, um, when the uh, when the MLS returns. Um, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at that's so MLS. You can find this podcast at that's so MLS dot com on Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. It keeps us going. It tells people about the show, and we get to talk to more of you. Where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter at TeamBates, www.team-abates.com. Beautiful. And until next time, um, if you do get sent off... <laughs> Have a just great... try to just try to leave the pitch and not get everyone involved in it. 